Good morning. This morning we finally, think got this thing working so we can do the second half of this. We hope and pray it works. We're about to find out. This morning we will continue looking at, oh, there we go, how to achieve peace of mind. As we look at it, we realize that we began last week looking at the fact that Jesus Christ is known to us by the Old Testament definition of being the Prince of Peace from Isaiah. We also realize that as being called the Prince of Peace, that He has made it abundantly clear unto us as His children that we are to have and achieve within each of ourselves what we call simply peace of mind. Paul described in Philippians 4 and verse 7 simply this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It is truly simply, this peace is simply like, we would call it, the uh, the avenue of love itself. It is hard at times to fully put into practice or in a mind what is the peace of mind or much less the love of God. But one we want to try again to continue looking at this and hopefully helping ourselves to achieve that which is elusive to a lot of people. We begin by looking at how to do so by simply starting off with Brother Paul Faulkner's statement, God being my helper in a world of needy people, I, I resolve to will myself. Come on. There we go. To be responsible, to face reality, to do what I ought to do, and to like it. This morning, we're going to look at the final four parts of that that we began last week looking at the first three. But one thing we want to keep in mind as we look at these others is the word, the phrase, to be responsible. Because of the next things, that is the word I resolve to be, and we're going to look at this morning being responsible. Begin with the rest of these with that simple phrase, I resolve to do the following. When we look at the fact of simply being, as we would say, resolved to be responsible, we realize, as we said in the beginning, God has and will continue to provide everything unto us that we need to do His will. He has from the beginning of time. He has even now continued to do that. He will supply the things necessary for us to live according to His will, to have a good life while we live on this earth with all the blessings that He supplies unto us. But at the same time... He will not do for us what He commands us to do. Now we need to keep that in mind. God has supplied everything for us to live on the face of this earth and will continue to do so with rain and sunshine and crops and flowers and whatever. But at the same time, He will not do for us what He tells us to do. From the beginning, God has given man responsibility. What did he say to Adam and Eve when they put him in the Garden of Eden? They were to what? To tend and to keep it. In our modern day and time, we simply say mow the lawn and weed eat and prune the fruit trees and etc. We understand that simply to tend and to keep it. Man, I have given you this paradise on earth. It has everything within it you need to live on the face of this earth, but here is your responsibility. You are to take care of it. That is in your hands. In other words, if it overgrows or doesn't look good, that's your fault, not mine. I've given you the responsibility. In saving Noah, 
Did not God remind Noah what he was about to do to the world because of the sin and the continuing thoughts upon sin? But he said unto Noah, in order for this to happen, in order to save yourselves, you have to do what? Build the ark. He gave him the dimensions. He gave him the specific type of wood and told him to build it. That was his responsibility. It's only when we have something worthwhile to do when we have a responsibility, something that we need to be doing and be busy about it, can we ever find purpose in life? Man's purpose is summed up in this. If it'll let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. For Solomon says, for this is the whole of man. Notice within that, God, uh, that, Mo, uh, that Solomon made a, a wonderful statement. First of all, fear God, and then see, here's our responsibility to keep His commandments. It is only through that kind of usefulness, only of that kind of carrying out those things, can we ever achieve peace of mind. Look at one example. God expressed His approval of Abraham in these words, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. In other words, here God is simply telling all of us for all time and eternity that I know Abraham and I know what he's like because he is a responsible person. He has resolved to carry out and do what I want of him to do and of taking care of raising his family and producing that faith within them and continuing that through all through their lives. I know him, God says, that he may what? Do the things necessary. He showed his responsibility. We look at the fact in our real world today, an employee who works the job and doesn't do his job as he should should be afraid of losing that job because no people are going to notice that what you, he's not doing his job. He's not working. So if he gets fired, he shouldn't be surprised. We look at it also by the husband who's constantly cheating on his wife. He's always afraid of what? Getting caught. What about the child who continues living a life of trouble, hoping, praying that his parents, his her parents never find out, always dread the day what? That they find In other words, simply reminding us we are responsible. There are things that we must do. It is demanded of us in every aspect of our lives. There are things that must be carried out. The Apostle Paul made a very wonderful compliment to his brethren at Philippi. You have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. What a compliment this man paid to this congregation he writes about of great joy. Not only when I've been among you have I seen you do the things you must do as a child of God, as a congregation of God's people in this city, but now that I'm no longer with you, I'm still hearing that whatever God requires of you, you've been carrying out. Whatever duty He commands until you're obeying, any job that you've been given, you're carrying it out. You are showing and bearing your responsibilities. And Paul said to his brethren, I want you to know that I remember this. You have always obeyed. Not only when I'm there, but when I am not there, you're still doing it. What a compliment. But let's ask yourself, Apostle Paul, do you have peace of mind? Have you resolved to be responsible? 
What do you tell these brethren in Philippians 1.21? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here he realized there on this earth I have responsibilities, but I had rather do what? Die. Why? For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What gave Paul that assurance? That he in his life had resolved, in order to have peace of mind, he had resolved to be a responsible human being. Did he not carry out God's command to give the gospel to the world? I think so. We look at Colossians 1.23. Every person under the heaven, that is we might say every person within the realm of the Roman Empire of that day and time, knows the name of Jesus Christ. He carried out his responsibility. That's the reason why Paul would be able to say, I have peace of mind. I have resolved to be responsible. The next one is simply, I resolve to face reality. We don't live in a dream world. (laughs) Sorry folks, there's not one out there. We don't live in a dream world. Never will be able to find peace of mind in, in a dream world. It does not exist. Those whose minds have dwelt upon the dream world and lived in that are in homes that take care of them because of the middle instability. There's no such thing. A child lives in his dream world and has a wonderful time in his dream world of fighting the enemy against Star Wars and everything else. But that is his dream world and he understands I am playing. He understands that's not reality. If he's been taught right, let me put that in there. <laughs> but we are civil human beings do not do so. But when people try to escape the real world, when we try to find ourselves mentally trying to live in this imaginary world that does not exist, it's going to plague us. And we will never, never have the peace of mind that we want. And it will leave us far worse. Remember this. The Lord lived in this world. The Lord lived in this world with all of His trials, with all of His temptations, and He shows us how to live in it. What does Isaiah 53 tell us? He was despised and rejected by men. But yet, in spite of already knowing that, He still came to this earth. He came to this earth and faced the reality. He still persevered. He still continued teaching. He still continued the miracles. He still died on the cross knowing that the great majority of this world would not accept Him. He had faced that reality. If He can persevere in this old world in which we live in, we also can do the same thing. We also can live in this world. He warned His disciples... If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In that upper room, the Savior gave the disciples a dose of reality. This is the real world. This is the world that you're going to teach my gospel in. This is the world that you're going to go out through all the world and proclaim this wonderful message to all. This is the reaction you're going to get from the majority of the world. And I know, you know they didn't want to hear that. Why? No one likes to be despised. No one, no one to come across one and says, nobody likes me or nobody loves me. 
Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everyone wants to be liked. But we must realize, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we may work at it, there are going to be those who will not like us. That is the reality. Instead of this dislike or distrust or the disapproval or the simple just out of hatred that some may cause us, don't let it cause you to be anxious or destroyed. Face reality that some will not like us. As I said a moment ago, the lot didn't like Christ. But watch this. And we certainly not ain't going to improve on his life. None whatsoever. The Apostle Paul told us by his own self, his own words, when he said simply this, Have a conscience without fence toward God. This is the reality. To live every day and try very hard every single day we live on this earth to have a conscience that is not offensive toward the God of heaven. And when those were trying to kill him, as he stood before that angry mob on the streets of Jerusalem, what did he tell them? Again, I have lived an all good conscience before God until this day. Paul told us, here's how to do it. Here's how to face the reality. Here's how to realize and understand get by those who don't like you. Face reality. We're living in a real world. Face it. How? By having a conscience that's void of offense toward God and live in all good conscience before God and man every day on the face of this earth, you will have peace of mind. Because this will in turn have us do, as he told his brethren in Romans chapter 12, be able to live peaceably with all men. Having that peace of mind. But here's the kicker. In order for that to work, to face the reality, to face the fact what goes on in this real world, God must come first. God must come first. We cannot be true to others. We cannot have that conscience that is truly is without fence before God until we first are true to ourselves and true to the God of heaven who created us. Here's another reality. There are always going to be grief, betrayal, and death as long as this old world stands. That is a reality. That is something we must face every single day. And what does the Word of God do for us in this avenue of sickness and death and betrayal? It shows us how to be prepared. It shows us how when it comes to face it. Our Savior did. Did He not when He was facing the reality when He said what? That the Son of Man will be what? Betrayed and there will be those who will condemn Him to death. Christ knew from the moment He began preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that day forward, he already knew what was about to happen. He already knew what would take place years down the road in the city of Jerusalem. But he persevered on, he continued on, in spite of the fact that he was about to be put to death. He went to Jerusalem 
knowing full well what would happen. We look at the Apostle Paul. You mean the Apostle Paul was getting ready to make his journey to Jerusalem. You remember when the brethren were with him and Agabus come and took his girdle or his part of his clothing and bound himself when it says the man who owns this will be bound when he enters Jerusalem? The brethren did what? Begged him not to go. And what he said, why do you mean weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul knew what was coming. Paul said, if it happens in Jerusalem, I'm going to face it. And if, I, if it means dying, I'm willing to die for my Lord. Paul said, here's the reality. And I understand it. And I'm willing to face it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to face it head on. And the same thing is with us. When we fate, truly face life, face it with all of its problems, with all of its heartaches, then we can have the peace of mind that we're wanting so badly for our lives. The next one is I resolve to do what I ought to do. This one is hard because of this one thing. Those who are self-indulgent will never have peace of mind. Why? Peace of mind comes from doing what we ought to do, not what we want to do. Notice the difference. What we ought to do versus what we want to do. Did not Christ come as the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew writer describe Him as simply the author of eternal salvation to what? To all who what? Obey Him. That is, people doing what they ought to do rather than what they want to do in this case of listening to the truth and becoming a child of God. But as long as a person is doing his own will, as long as a person is doing his own thing, living his own life, telling everybody I'm going to do it myself, nobody's going to tell me what to do, will never have peace of mind and never should he. I don't care how much fun you may be having. I don't care how much, you know, enjoyment you're enjoying out of life and you're thinking life is one of them good because it's all one big happy moment. Failure to do what ought to be done will always trouble the dreams because you've never really achieved peace of mind. We read in Romans chapter 15, even Christ did not please Himself. Clearly seen when He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but what? Yours be done. Whom was He talking to at the time? To one of the disciples? No. He was talking to the Heavenly Father. And He simply said to the Heavenly Father, it's not my will. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm not going to change the plan and do whatever I think ought to be done. I'm going to do what I ought to do, and that is do Your will. Do what You wanted me to do to bring salvation to the world. And he stated his purpose even more so in these words of John 6. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will again, but the will of Him who sent me. Emphasizing the fact that we cannot do our own thing and ever achieve peace of mind. We cannot just go life and have fun and run from here to there thinking this will bring it. Never will. But there's also something else involved in this doing what I ought to do. 
And this applies to children of God. We can't compromise with wrong and still have peace of mind. We cannot do it. But that's the attitude sometimes many Christians tend to have. In other words, we know, we know God has a right to our lives. We know what He wants us to do to live on this earth as His child of God. We know He has a right to our lives and our time and our talents and all that we have and we are. We know that. But we still hold back at times. We just hold back from fully committing ourselves to Him and to His service. We go back to that prodigal son. He didn't have peace of mind, did he? Until he did what he knew he ought to do in order to achieve it. And that's what? Go home. Until he started that trip... And went in that direction. The resolve that he wanted didn't mean anything until the action kicked in. He didn't hold back. When he went home, what does he say? He says, Father, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Make me a hired servant instead. He didn't hold anything back when he went home. You see, peace of mind is possible. But it's only when we do what we ought to do. And here's the other one. And that is simply this. I resolve to like it. Here's the kicker. (laughs) This is where we put it all together, if you please. Too often we are a people who equate happiness with the good things that are happening to us. When everything is going well, when all of life is wonderful and good, and the sea of life is calm, and everything is great, ah, life is wonderful. That's what we think happiness really is, and what peace of mind really is. But you know what? Real happiness is not based on those things. Why? It's only temporary. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave the Beatitudes, which begins with blessed are. And we look at the poor in spirit, Those that mourn, the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker, and who, and those who are persecuted. Notice there, Jesus said, blessed or happy are these people that he just mentioned. The world would say very emphatically, you saying these people are happy? No, 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 no. They're the most miserable people who walk on the face of the earth. Why? Who can be happy and burn persecuted? Who can be happy when they're poor in spirit? How can you be, you know, you can't. These are not, they're not happiness. They're not happiness. You can't say these people are happy. And if they say they are, we need to have them checked out. This is not happiness. The Lord said simply this in mentioning those Beatitudes. Happiness is not built upon not having trials and tribulations and problems. Happiness comes in our reaction 
to those trials and problems and tribulations. That is the key to happiness. That's the key to having peace of mind. That is the reason why Christ said these people are the happiest people on the face of the earth. Because they're going through these things and they're blessed because they have learned how to respond properly to it. That is the reason why the world spends its time wasting its time hunting for happiness and peace of mind and it never can be found. Happiness is not created by what happens to us nor around us. Peace of mind and happiness is created from what is within each of us as God's children. The Apostle Paul had many problems. He reminded us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 through 28, a list of things that had happened to him. Many of which we would have never known if Paul hadn't mentioned them just briefly in these few verses. We didn't realize to what little we read of in the book of Acts how much this man went through. But here he gives us a list. Then he adds something. He said, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Did this man have trial and tribulations? <laughs> the answer to that is yes. In his effort to spread the gospel throughout the world, he faced a lot of trials and temptations and things that we probably will never mention. But this was his kicker. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That was Paul's peace of mind. That was Paul's ability to get through the things he faced each day. He had learned from within himself that kicker. Simply to learn that whatever state I am, to be content. And he added one other thing to his young friend Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul says, in no other state I am, I am able to do so because the godliness helps me to stay content. But then he adds this. When he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Paul summed it up. Paul simply said, here's how I live my life. Here's how I put that other part, the like it, the kicker, into all of it. To learn to rejoice no matter what. To be content no matter what state I am. And always to remember this. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, he says, I talk to my Heavenly Father. No wonder he would say then godliness with contentment is great gain. Because he understood what it meant. This morning, if you want to have peace of mind, here it is. 
God being my helper in a world of needy people, I resolve to will myself to be responsible, to face reality, to do what I ought to do, and to like it. It will work. If we take the Word of God in its face value and follow it, you will achieve peace of mind. This morning, if you're not a child of God, everything is ready. Simply waiting for you to respond to His precious invitation. This morning, if not a child of His, if you have faith within, with faith within the Word of God, has called you by hearing His Word to realize that He is the God of heaven, that He sent His Son to live and die for you, that His Son shed His precious blood on Calvary, you willing to repent of the way you've been living, give that life completely up, confess before all that He is the Christ Son of the living God, and to be buried in baptism, God has said, I will add you to my kingdom Himself. The old man of sin, as Paul described in Romans 6, has been washed away. And you rise to walk a brand new life. From this day forward, having in your hands the prayers that will help you, and your hand the Word of God that will carry you onward, this day forward you can achieve from that peace of mind. This morning, if you're a child of God who strayed from that truth, who once had peace of mind, if you, if you please, once was trying to walk as you should as God's child, but realize on this day and occasion that you're not walking with Him anymore, that you've gone back to the world, trying to look for it for answers, to help you cope, help you face things. You've walked away from the Word of God as a child of His. Here's your opportunity to return home. The Father's in the road waiting for you to respond to His invitation and says, I want to come back. I want to come home. And ask God's forgiveness. And He's promised you as His child, not only will He forgive you those things, but He will forevermore forget them. And once again, you can walk on that road that brings achievement of peace of mind. While together we stay.